0: This episode of That's What She Said is brought to you by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said for your free audiobook download. This episode is also brought to you by Netflix. Head to netflix.com slash TWSS for a completely risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Andy Buckley, David Wallace, CFO, Dunder Mifflin Corporate. You're listening to That's What She Said. That's What She Said, episode 69. Heavy competition
1: and broke. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so.
2: That's what she said! <laughs> Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy. Roll around
3: town like a hero.
0: I got you on my mind. Just like time,
3: pedal down, nowhere
0: to go. Just and welcome to episode 69 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer. And this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 22nd and 23rd episodes of Season 5, entitled Heavy Competition and Broke, which originally aired Thursday, April 16th and Thursday, April 23rd, 2009. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Yeah, yeah, you ugly. While Jim and Andy bond, the Michael Scott Paper Company, is taking a dent out of Dunder Mifflin's bottom line, thanks to Michael's Magic Rolodex. Unfortunately, crunching the numbers reveals trouble ahead. Their only hope? A buyout. Just as long as neither Dwight nor Michael manage to clear the deal. Would you rather have a fishing pole or just a fish? Well, welcome back big guy. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about, let's head on over to the water cooler.
2: It's a real shame because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos. Which puts me at a disadvantage because I bring my own water to work. I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So, what do you guys hear?
0: What's the scuttlebutt? And joining me at the water cooler again this week is my dear friend, my traveling salesman here at That's What She Said, Kevin Crossman. And you know, Kevin wasn't the original host of the show. Uh, Ian, our dear friend, was the host for the first season. And a lot of people wonder, you know, what did Kevin do? How did he get that job? Well, it's really quite simple. (laughs)
4: <laughs>
0: so uh how's it going there kevin
4: well you know matt when you boss me around it makes me wonder if the podcast has the legs to go the distance
0: <laughs> well that is true hey i, I asked myself that very question many times so here we are two solid episodes in the michael scott paper company saga heavy competition and broke and I got to say personally that uh, continuing on with my tradition of loving these last three episodes, I really enjoyed both of these episodes as well. Uh, Broke really felt like, and I think maybe should have been, the season finale. And we, I, I had some issues with the Broke, I think, more than heavy competition. But we'll get into that in a second. So let me just throw that out there since I've been talking a long time here. But what did you think of these two
5: episodes?
4: I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love with The Office once again. What a, These two episodes, great, as you mentioned, coming on a whole series of really good ones. And it really is kind of sad that this Michael Scott Paper Company thing is ending. Maybe it just needed to burn out. It shone brightly, but I love these two episodes, and I think that they're far more than solid. Probably two of the best episodes maybe ever especially heavy competition I loved. A little ridiculous, but it came to such a crescendo, built up, and was very, very satisfying.
0: (laughs) Well, Kevin Van Perbeli is at it again. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that these are some of the best ever, but I'm definitely really enjoying these. This Michael Scott plotline is very so refreshing as far as the show goes gives you something really that you haven't seen before and you mentioned something interesting in that comment there Kevin though this only really lasted a rather short amount of time and it's now already over and yet here we are left with three more episodes in the season and I have to ask myself and I guess I have to ask you and the listeners out there what were they thinking with that I mean I definitely feel like this could have gone on maybe should have gone on to the end of the season Looking at the next week's episode, it's called Casual Fridays, and the plot description says people in the office get a little too casual on Friday. After this last five weeks of roller coaster up and down, what's going to happen, edge of our seat kind of plot stuff here, are we ready to go back to a. Uh, Just a generic kind of plotline about Casual Fridays?
4: Well, it's clearly going to be a letdown. There's no doubt about that. I mean, this would have to be one of the best episodes ever to not be a letdown. You know, the only thing I can hope is that they'll do something at the end of the season for the Michael and Holly plotline. That's really the the one kind of piece of the puzzle that we haven't really had any kind of satisfactory conclusion on (laughs) or perhaps could start something new for the next season yeah. I agree with you. That shot at the end of Broke, where Michael's got his foot up on the desk, that really would be a great season closer. It would be great that we didn't have two people kissing at the end of a season <laughs> closer for the first time in I don't know how long. It's too bad that it didn't end there. I don't know that, that making more episodes on this Michael Scott paper company would have been a better thing. As you mentioned, there's you know, five or six, depending on how you kind of count the math there with Idris Elba as Charles Minor. But they should have ended it. At the end of the season. Now, if they can come up with something interesting on this Holly thing, maybe that will explain some things. Well,
0: you know, at the beginning, this is kind of funny, I guess, because at the beginning of the season, we were all, oh, Holly's leaving. Oh, that sucks. I want Holly back. I got to tell you, after these last five weeks, I really don't care about Holly anymore. (laughs) I really have. I've really forgotten all about her, to tell you the truth. And I would not mind at all if they would have ridden this Michael Scott paper company plotline all the way to the end of the season. And I agree, that last shot there of him, it was just framed out so nicely, Jim kind of like pointing at him. And it would have been a really, it was a very triumphant moment. And that might be one of the things that people find to, uh, to criticize about these episodes, because we did have, especially in heavy competition And in Broke as well, we had uh, that guy that we love, Kevin, the the competent Michael. Not really a sign of the stupid idiot Michael too often.
4: No, no, that's true. And, uh, of course, we've been uh, complaining about Jim getting beat upon and really not having any balls. But in this case, the balls were in his court, and (laughs) he uh, did a good job there in Broke to uh, help seal the deal, so to speak, on the... uh,
0: well, let me throw this out there to you because last week we made a big deal about the fact that we were sick of Jim being dumped on and that we were demanding the huge karmic payback. Uh, that was the only way we could see balancing out all this horrible behavior over these last few weeks. Did you get that cosmic uh, karmic realignment here? Did Charles get taken down enough pegs?
4: Well, I think he did get taken down. Now, in this case, Jim was not the person to take him down. I mean, it was a combination of things. I guess the one thing I would say is that in these episodes you did see Charles sort of making little snide comments to other people along the way, not just on Jim. Maybe if they'd thrown a few more of those Stanley pay attentions mm-hmm. earlier in these earlier Charles Minor episodes, maybe we wouldn't, wouldn't have felt so noticeable on Jim and mm-hmm. maybe we wouldn't have wanted that big payoff. But, I think that the payoff for Jim at least was fine as it related to that.
0: Well, he helped, like you said, I mean, he was instrumental in helping them get the deal, but he definitely did not have really any kind of revenge against Miner. The thing about Charles Miner, it's kind of weird, is that Michael, when they're doing the negotiation, Michael says that one of his conditions is that he wants Charles to be fired. Well, David Wallace says, no, we're not going to fire him. And so Michael says, okay, well, then let me get Pam. So at the end of Broke there was a nice parallel moment back to um two weeks where Michael is gonna leave and he's gonna say something and Charles Miner says, No, no, you're done. And he leaves. Right. Well, here we get that again, then Michael's saying, No, 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 you're done. But he's not done. I mean he's still the boss, technically. I mean he didn't get fired. That wasn't one of that wasn't the condition of the of the deal. So I mean, really, where are we with that character?
4: Well, you know, um, you know, we heard that he was originally contracted for six episodes, and this was the sixth. Now, that doesn't preclude him from coming back in a future episode or two, so well, uh, we I'm will
0: not know. <laughs> I'm sure he's much too busy being stalked by Ali Larder.
4: <laughs> you know, he's a big movie star. We'll talk about that later. But the fact that he's not fired doesn't mean he can't come back. So,
0: well, I, I guess that was my question, is that, I mean, what, what's the point of this? Now, we've got this guy we know who's not going to be around. And it seemed like it would have been a perfect opportunity to get rid of him, which would have ex- which would explain why he's not around. But he's still being kept in play. I'm guessing that then we're just really not gonna have a boss <laughs> in the show uh, anymore, or maybe he'll decide he can't take it, or maybe Wallace will move him to one of the other sections or something.
4: Maybe, or again, maybe he'll maybe he'll be around. A lot of those episodes with Jan, maybe it was just her on the phone. I'm sure that. It- Call yourself up and say, you know, say these lines. <laughs> uh, too <laughs> to busy. Phone,
0: right? Too busy, man. <laughs> you know the the one thing about that I gotta say is that we've not been a big fan of that character just because he's simply been made to be such a jerk to Jim mm-hmm. and, and we of course hate him. I think what I think is kind of a shame is that they really started to build up that an interesting dynamic between Dwight and Charles Minor that really didn't feel to me like it got explored enough. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. I would have liked to have seen Dwight maybe having a crisis of conscience or something there uh, more than he did at the end. Because I, I, one of the things about Broke that I really didn't like is the fact that they made Dwight uncover the big secret and then he just gets bamboozled by his stupid B-talk and, and, and doesn't really say anything. And I, I wish I would have seen something more of that relationship, I guess, between those two guys, because... He was uh, really kind of giving them some props there in the heavy competition, inviting him out to a drink, telling him what a great guy, mm-hmm. he's enjoying his you know, I admire your focus, and uh, in comparison to Michael's little comment card about tall and beats or whatever it was.
4: That could be Charles just sort of trying to find somebody to start some alliance with in the office, I think. And of course, as we know anything about Dwight, we know that he is obedient, and now that Charles is the new master, so to speak. He's going to be obedient and and all that. And I think that one of the things that would have been funny, and maybe this could have been a way to extend this storyline through the end of the season, would have been maybe Charles goes out of the office and says his usual nondescript instructions, okay, you know who's in charge when I'm not not here, and he leaves. And now Dwight and Jim have some sort of battle to figure out who's in charge when he's gone or something like that. You could have had a good episode there that might have... It played on some of the dynamics you've talked about here with Dwight and Charles, as well as the whole Jim and Dwight fighting for each other, too.
0: Well, maybe the whole Dwight thing was a sign of his bad management. You know, I, I my one theory the other week about how uh, him picking Stanley was a sign of bad management skills. So maybe him siding with Dwight was supposed to be a sign of his bad management. Uh, the fact uh, that he couldn't recognize that Jim was the great standout guy. Um, yes. and, and, and speaking of which, again, I felt like they're just they tease that when when Wallace came into the office, they just teased that thing about, wow, Jim is my guy. You know, I, I'm surprised that you I, I wish they would have gotten more into that. Definitely. And I wish there would have been more kind of negative consequences that came down on the Charles Minor character since he was such an ass. But uh, uh, oh, well, I'll let that go. Um I, 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 I got to tell you though I'm really upset I, I really am kind of sad that we've seen the last of this plot line because it was just so fresh and I think that was the reason why and I don't want to speak for both of us, but I mean, it was the reason why I was enjoying this. I think as much as I was.
4: Certainly, and we've had a we've had a kind of crazy schedule this month with these double episodes and everything else. And clearly, the fact that these have been really great episodes has uh, not hurt the podcast production.
0: Well, definitely, yeah, it's it's a lot easier to talk about something that you really enjoy than something that you really <laughs> really don't like, don't enjoy as much. Now, uh, you personally, uh, from what you tell me, you think that heavy competition is possibly one of the best episodes of all time.
4: Oh yeah, for sure. Top five episode. Um, you know, I'm not going to try to say it's the best ever for sure, but I thought it just was great going to get the, the new client and trying to steal everything. And then you got a little twist there with the, <laughs> the Rolodex card. And I really thought that that was a, just an interesting dynamic. And there were lots of funny little lines in there in between. I really liked how they're using Ryan in this episode. I think they used him well. And I did also like the Jim and Andy prank, uh, which had uh, a significantly more emotional side to the prank than the typical Jim prank. So,
0: well, that's true. You sure know, that, if there was a weak side of that episode, I'm going to say that that pranking plotline was the weak link for me. Was it deserved? We always talk about that. Yeah, I guess it was deserved because Andy was trying to be Mr. Bringdown on uh, Jim and Pam's wedding, and so maybe he deserved a little correcting. But still, I mean, every time Andy's pranked, it's just like you're playing with dynamite. You already broke his brain once, and uh, <laughs> you're just asking for more trouble. I don't know. You'd think that he might leave the guy alone. But, well, the um, only thing about the broke plotline, like I said, the biggest thing that uh, about that episode was that... There were so many highlights for me. You know, I love competent Michael, so it was really great to see him negotiate, and especially that dig about I don't need to outlast under Mifflin, I just need to outlast you, and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff in there was just, great if you're that kind of a fan, if you like to see Michael be successful. <laughs> if you like to see him be a bumbling fool, I guess this last couple of episodes probably is not to your liking.
4: There was a good deleted scene that actually was great that they did leave on the cutting room floor that would have been satisfying for those bumbling Michael <laughs> fans. But.
0: Well, I thought that was a little ridiculous, personally, but uh, yes. we'll get into that, I guess, at the end of the show. All right, well, let's go ahead and, uh, I guess, talk about the credits since we've been raving about these so much. Both of these episodes written by really newcomers to the show this season. Heavy Competition written by Ryan Coe, who uh, has two episodes under his belt, Heavy Competition and Business Ethics, uh, directed by Ken Whittingham, who's directed eight episodes over the last few seasons, including Night Out, Launch Party, Phyllis's Wedding, and The Merger. And then Broke was written by Charlie Grandy, Yes, Kevin, every time I see this guy's name, I have to keep saying this, the son of gopher, (laughs) the son of Fred Grandy from the Love Boat, Charlie Grandy. This is his second episode as well. He also wrote Crime Aid this season and broke, directed by first time director Steve Carell.
4: Wait, who is that guy? (laughs) <laughs> Is he anything to do
0: with The Office? Uh, I don't know.
4: One of his big, big shot guest directors? <laughs> I was
0: <laughs> surprised, you know, I was surprised that he hadn't directed any before. At least I couldn't find any on uh, IMDb. So, I mean, we know he's written at least one or two, I can't remember now, my mind is slipping away, but... Um, I think it's two episodes, Casino yeah. Night, and, of course, and this is his then, I guess, directorial debut, so wonderful. Good job. It wasn't as interesting to me as the uh, two weeks direction with a lot of the different shots, but I like, you know, I like the tone of this. I like the way it played out, some of the shots with Ryan and, and Pam and Michael sitting on the floor in the mm-hmm. office. I thought that was a really effective shot, and, and coming up stairs to the hallways, elevators, so, some good stuff, whether yeah. that's Corral Doing or not, I don't know. But, yep. All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Then let's dive into heavy competition. Well, uh, there's some new changes in town here that has been affecting Dwight, unfortunately. Mr. Dress Code, unfortunately, is a victim of his own fervor, I
2: suppose, here, and his
0: having to learn to deal with wearing long sleeves.
2: When Michael was in charge, this place was like a Roman Empire and the Wild West on war-torn Poland and Poland. It was just a lot going on. So what you were to work was the least of anybody's worries. And in that chaos, I soared. Hey, hey. Ed's Tires thinking of making a change. Oh, okay. Ed's Tires, huh? It's small, I know. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. Wait, what, what is this? It's for your trouble. Wait, I don't need $6 to help a
6: friend. No, no, listen, as a friend,
2: Michael, I you know I can't it. take this? Yes, I do. But don't forget, you owe me $10. It
6: was four years ago. Why don't you let it go? Michael. Bring it in, morning cheer. <clears throat>
2: you, you G, L, Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Ha, ha,
4: you, you ugly. You mama say you ugly. Hey, go Michael has got Paper money.
7: I'm here. I'm part of this now.
0: Gotta love Carell always ad living the wacky little bits in the song, <laughs> the song moments.
4: You really got, you really got a sense of the camaraderie with the Michael Scott Paper, paper Company in this episode. With the, the open with the cheese puffs. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was such a great, funny, cold open. And then they had the show tag at the end with that, too. And then the, just this dynamic between these three characters was so great. And uh, that was a little bit of it there, I think
0: exactly and i i good thing you brought that up because i wanted to talk about that the cold open i do think that was one of the best cold opens very interesting and i i do wonder how many how many times they had to try to film those to get those to work uh so that was some good stuff here and the little chant thing is interesting of course pam still a little regretful i guess about being involved in this stuff. Now, do you do you buy this that Dwight, Mr. Killer Salesman, would give away some uh, sales leads to Michael?
4: You know, that is the part that, for me, is perhaps the most unbelievable part of this whole entire episode, because I agree with you. I think that it seems like he would kind of go, well, Michael, you're on your own. But like I said, we do you know that Dwight is obedient, and he may have felt that he was trying to do the right thing for his father figure or whatever.
0: Well, I suppose. I guess we had to set this up. They wanted to set up the conflict of loyalties there, which, you know, it's kind of interesting, I guess, because Dwight is such a... The way that he's been played is so different. Uh, you'd think that he wouldn't have any loyalty. I mean, we had, of course, during Season 3, the the coup attempt mm-hmm. there. We had, uh, you know, he seems to be the kind of guy that immediately just goes after who's ever in charge and and sucks up to them, which I guess... Is what played out in this episode here that kind of conflict? Then, where he starts to feel a little bit bad at first, you know, Michael's never really nice to him, so I'm not really sure now that he's not his boss what the connection is. <laughs> Maybe it's just lingering kind of suck upitude there. It's
4: called dibs. <laughs>
0: well, I know I'm not dibs. a barbarian.
4: <laughs>
0: that was a good line. Unfortunately, I don't have that in the clips here today, but that was um, very very funny. So there's Dwight feeding Michael these little kind of cast off accounts I guess uh, unfortunately though something happens to kind of change Dwight's mind
5: you know Dwight I just been impressed with your performance and I wanted to make sure good work doesn't go unnoticed I want to start giving you more responsibility what do you say you and I go out for a drink this week really definitely
6: I need you to get me the prices that you're charging Ed's tires so I can undercut Dunder Mifflin
2: you know uh, something's
6: come up Oh uh, no, is it Mose? Did you put the cover on that well? No,
2: Mose is fine. I I roped it off. It's not about Mose. Listen, things are changing here, Michael. They're changing fast. Imagine someone has a personal hero they really want to help. But then there's this new guy, very cool, very Will Smith-esque. Who would not like it if he helped his hero.
6: Personal hero, cool new guy. Okay, I think I'm getting your draft.
2: Good, so you see
6: what I'm saying? Crystal Clare. so is this for a movie that you're writing? No. Can I use it?
0: No. (laughs) And some nice visual gags there with Ryan and Pam uh, (laughs) sending him messages on the notepad. Uh, Some good stuff there. Now, so there's the dilemma, of course, then. Minor gives Dwight that recognition that he's always wanted from a boss, invites him out for a drink. And now what does he do? Well, unfortunately, what it looks like he's going to do is totally sell Michael down the river.
4: Yeah, I really liked the uh, like I said earlier. I really liked the Ryan interaction there of tapping on the on the pad, and you know I think that this was a good way to set up the conflict uh, with the whole two branch thing because you wonder the Michael Scott paper company how it was getting a leg up obviously cheap labor and all that kind of stuff but the fact that he was getting inside information from Dwight certainly was a factor.
0: They set up another meeting in the parking lot. I actually really enjoy this clip. And <laughs> I had to make a choice to, to put this in or not. I unfortunately didn't put it in there. But uh, they go to meet each other. And Dwight has <laughs> invited Charles Minor. So when uh, they're meeting down by the docks, all of a sudden Charles Minor steps out. And Michael's like, oh,
4: Dwight, run, run. <laughs> Was that a wire reference?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. but you know michael's totally baffled by the fact that he has no clue that dwight has tipped him off and uh is thinking of trying to you know let's let's run away (laughs) classic michael (laughs) scott behavior and uh, unfortunately then minor tells him hey dwight sold you out and you got to leave him alone and you're getting all this information and you got to stop michael of course a very well he has a big heart but uh he can be pretty vindictive when backstabbed and uh well, he's going to throw the gauntlet down at Dwight's feet.
7: Michael, are you all right?
6: It was a setup. Dwight told Charles. He told him.
7: Tell us what you're talking about. Now,
6: it's like a girl says she'll make out with you, but then her boyfriend is waiting around the corner with a pee-filled
2: balloon. Dwight fruit. Hello, trader. I think you have the wrong number, Michael.
6: I want you to listen to me, friend. I am going to come at you and I am going to come at you hard. I am going to steal all of your clients, and then I am going to kill them in front of you.
2: Michael, I'm just getting hardcore.
6: Finally. Yes, and hear me, Dwight, when I say I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Bill Cosby.
5: So, you think Michael's going after the whale, huh?
2: I have a long relationship with HarperCollins Publishers and Mr. Schofield. I'm not worried. You sound worried. And you have bad skin. Oh, look, everyone. We're all making observations. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to see Dwight start to crack
0: there because (laughs) he does, I guess, or should at least respect Michael as a salesman. So he is a little nervous and is a little concerned there. I love Michael's. Just everything about that whole speech, you know, I'm coming at you. And
4: I'm going to kill them in front of you. (laughs) And Ryan's
0: about time.
4: Yes. Well, you know, it even started in the parking lot where Charles said, "You know, do you understand?" And he said, "I understand nothing." And <laughs> just the intensity on Carell's delivery on these on these lines is just outstanding. I was just riveted in in this one, and and I I love that scene too with with Phyllis and everyone getting under Dwight's skin. He's already uncomfortable with the long sleeves, which really looked awkward on him. I know that they kind of <laughs> had to dress it up in a sort of way, but. He looked really weird with the long sleeves. Like, who is this guy? He kind of looks like Dwight, but he isn't really.
0: Yes. But, exactly. yeah, I
4: mean, it's like, you know, and this is what I'm talking about. It's, it, it builds up momentum in this episode, and the tension just builds throughout until we have this climax later on.
0: So the war is on. Michael is attempting to go after and steal as many of Dwight's clients as he can. I like that end of that clip there that we didn't really play, where immediately after they hang up, Dwight calls Go field, and uh, it, you know it says, "Oh, he's in a meeting or something." And then you, it flashes to Michael calling him, and then it's like, "Oh, if you want an outside line, you must first press nine. <laughs> so he didn't even get that far. But uh, fortunately for him, he's he's got the magical magical Rolodex to get him through. Now Dwight, as uh, as Phyllis said, is a little concerned, and it's a very epic epic battle waiting him here.
2: Michael has been talking to my biggest client, master and apprentice, pitted against one another for the fate of the greater Scranton area paper market. So it's not exactly like Highlander, but still.
6: Hello, Dwight. I've been expecting your call. What do you want?
2: I would like to arrange a truce.
6: So you heard Schofield is considering a switch and you want mercy.
2: Meet me in our spot in four
6: minutes. No, no. You think I'm going to fall for that? There's no... Michael. Okay. Go to the spot and then walk a hundred feet.
2: In which direction?
6: Toward the sun.
2: At what time? Noon. That's you have two seconds. Dwight? I cannot believe that you sided with Charles. You were making me do things that were not all right. So you just wrap me out? You could have said no. I'm not to through for you. If you want a truce, I will give you a truce. I want a truce. Me too. Let me take you and your whole company out for lunch at Alfredo's. Cooper's. And I had fish yesterday.
0: Damn it. Michael stymied again there at the end with what's his uh, fish launch. But, you know, I, I guess it's a twisted insight into Dwight's mind there with this. Well, you could have just said no. Oh, what? And, and let you down?
4: <laughs> right. <laughs> so
0: instead, I ratted
4: you out. Well, it's just so funny. This was part of it, was kind of ridiculous, right? Go to go 100 feet towards the sun at noon, or <laughs> set straight up. Yeah,
0: two seconds. And
4: then he's, he's out there. Yeah. Staring at the sun burning his eyes.
0: Madge or whatever comes out
4: from the yeah. warehouse is like, Michael <laughs> And then we get a little Scranton restaurant reference here is always fun. And then of course we get to see um you know what kind of food Scranton is sandwich for. <laughs> well,
0: Michael and Brian and Pam buy it hook line and sinker. Of course, Dwight is uh all working a big scam here. Much too savvy for that. And while they are distracted waiting for lunch He uh, is in their office, basically stealing all their supplies, stealing the Rolodex, putting a dead fish in the air conditioning unit. Uh, (laughs) Classic Dwight tactics. And uh, unfortunately then when Michael uh, Michael returns, he is really still none the
2: wiser. Yeah. Did you enjoy your lunch?
6: (sighs) Dwight, not now. We've been robbed.
2: No, Michael. You were sabotaged.
6: No, Dwight... We were robbed, how would you even know? You're still stuck in traffic.
2: You? Me. What about our truce? Uh, I broke it. On purpose? Yes. Why? Do You think this is some kind of game? No, this is a war and I will not stop, I will not rest. You have no idea what kind of enemy you've created. You have unleashed the wolf. I
6: have your new fall sandwich here and I'm going to eat it.
2: And I knew that you would do that. Their meatball parm is their worst sandwich. Oh. Buster.
0: <laughs> I love that last caper line right there. He's biting into it, you know. I would get your revenge, but Dwight's like a carpenter building stairs. He's always one step ahead.
4: Well, the good thing about this scene is, right, we we talked about Michael He understands nothing. He's going to bury Dwight. Now Dwight is fighting back and he gets his little punch in here, really puts it on Michael Scott Paper Company, steals some of their assets, gets them all out of flux. So they're going to hit this next act on kind of even keel with this uh, client out there, the big whale, who will bring in the whale. I think this was good to have Dwight get a leg back up.
0: Well, as you said, then the war is on for Mr. Schofield and that Harper Collins account. Dwight feels pretty cocky with himself. He's got the Rolodex. He's calling up Michael's clients, uh, using his information. How is your black wife? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, he's like the least personable salesman ever, which still begs the question how he is such a successful salesman. But nevertheless, uh, Michael is, you know, right when you think he's down, as he said the other day, he does his best work when people underestimate him.
6: If you keep coming after us, the Michael Scott paper company cannot succeed. This
2: is war, and that is what happens.
6: Oh, one more thing. I'm going to have you listen while I steal your biggest client. Oh no, no,
2: no, no, no. Oh, wow. Michael, oh, Michael, you down right now. Michael.
6: You can hear me, but I can't hear Mr. you. Mr. Schofield's ready to see you now, Mr. Oh, Scott. Great. Mr. Schofield's ready to see me. Thank you so much.
2: Don't let him in, he's a trainer.
6: michael Michael. Good to see you. Mr. Schofield, good to see you. Now, when Dwight tells you that he will keep prices steady for a year, I think he is speaking out of turn. Really? Yes. He does not have the authority to say that. I, on the other hand, am the president, the owner, and the founder. It is like you were buying what? software
0: from Bill Gates.
2: Are you saying you invented paper? It's kind of funny
0: there. I guess it was, I, I'm not sure what I thought about the fact that uh, Dwight actually did come to the meeting. I thought it would been more interesting to have him sit there and kind of have to listen to it without really saying anything, but uh, still, we get a little bit there where he realizes what's going on, gets in his car, runs, you know, drives over there while he's listening to the phone conversation the whole way, uh, talking back, making all kinds of comments and things as Michael is going and kind of down talk, you know, talking him out of his account there. I gotta tell you
4: that whole scene where he puts the phone in his pocket and goes in there, I just. <laughs> I had the biggest smile on my face. It's just brilliant the way Michael did that. It was awesome. And then, of course, it, 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 it does draw Dwight into the situation, which I think is part of Michael's plan all along. Dwight is good when he can get someone one-on-one to intimidate them. But when he's frantic like this, it usually doesn't <laughs> turn out well.
0: Well, so, I guess you're right. And as we will see, <laughs> it does not turn out very well at all. Now, Dwight does actually finally make it to Harper Collins' office, runs in, and uh, uses some moves here that uh, Napoleon Dynamite, I think, would be proud of.
2: Oh, hello, Dwight. Spin move! Ha ha! Dwight, I'm in a meeting. That's very rude. I I barge because I care. April 13th, 2002. That is the date when you tried to switch paper providers. But we're hung out to dry. Maybe we should schedule a meeting on (laughs) our... Continuing. You called Dunder Mifflin, and your order was filled within an hour. We all know that the economy is bad, and bloated
6: companies like Dunder Mifflin are going to fall by the wayside. Two of their branches have closed within the last year. The Michael Scott Paper Company, however, has opened a new
2: branch this very month. What he's not telling you is that he will abandon you.
6: Why don't you guys just email me your best offers and we that can finish like it up that idea. way. That sounds like a fantastic idea. I will see you this weekend for the Penguins box seats as usual. Oh, uh, Okay. Sure. Good. 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 I will Thank see you, you, Mr. Schofield, for your time. Oh, and tell me, um, how's your gay son? Excuse me? I color code all my info. I wrote gay son in green. Green means go, so I know to go ahead and shut up about it. Orange means orange. I'm glad you didn't bring it up. Most colors mean don't say it.
0: So there's Dwight is foiled by his stealing of Michael's Rolodex, of course. Uh, just desserts there for his office sabotage. And as you said, yeah, that, that whole scene was, of course, great. Michael the master at, uh, at work right there, as we always
4: like to see. Well, and there was that earlier scene where he was on the phone using the Rolodex, and Pam and Ryan were sitting there in awe and, you know, Ryan's like, look at that old man go with the Rolodex. Just, <laughs> that was, you know, it really showed how important the Rolodex was. And he talked about it, and then, but he didn't, he didn't give Dwight the secret sauce on the color coding, and that was Dwight's downfall. Again, like you mentioned, maybe Dwight should have been thinking he shouldn't have maybe mentioned the gay son thing, even if he didn't know what the colors meant. So, <laughs> oh well. But well, he, it's again, Michael's he was card, he was off his game, and he was desperate because he wasn't thinking clearly. So what a great satisfactory ending, I think.
0: Exactly. So Michael is triumphant. We see in the background him shaking hands with Mr. Schofield there after Dwight's wacky outburst. Uh, Dwight changing back into his his white shirt. Of course, I thought that was kind of funny when he's running through the parking lot to go meet Mr. Schofield. He's got to rip off his shirt and put on the power mustard short sleeve <laughs> shirt again for the meeting for some baffling reason gets his mojo, trying to get his mojo going, I guess.
4: Exactly.
0: And, uh, uh, you know, at the end, Michael really just wraps it up there. I wanted
6: to start a company, not a war, because in a war, you always fight those you are closest to. And the great tragedy of the Civil War is that brother fought against brother. For what? What purpose did that serve, apart from abolishing slavery? In that case, war was the right choice. This doesn't feel as important though. That's just how the world works, I guess.
0: It's classic Michael Scott rambling there correcting himself as he goes along. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Civil war. What was the point of that? Oh, aside from the slavery thing, but yeah. Well and the
4: fact that you always fight your friend in a war. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's true. And well you you know, I guess it's pretty magnanimous, it's his victory speech. Uh, as they're in the office cleaning out the fish and everything else that, that Dwight has left behind. And so that will, of course, lead into the big payoff for next week. Michael has stolen another big client, uh, which really starts to hurt the Dunder Mifflin-Scranton branch. Well, before we get back into talking about broke, let's jump over to the Jandy plot line.
4: All right, <laughs> What do you Jandy. think about that one? <laughs> I love Jandy. Okay. <laughs> Just like candy. (laughs) Um,
0: So as we said before in the introduction here, basically, well, Jim and Pam still getting married, wedding prep, and I'll let Jim explain what's going on here.
1: Andy put down a bunch of deposits on stuff for his wedding with Angela, but then she was sleeping with Dwight for several years. Now we are going bargain hunting in the haunted graveyard of their love. This is my solo.
7: Am I walking down the aisle to You Can Call Me Al?
1: Trust me, you will not be walking. You will be boogieing. I am extremely interested. So, how much will all of this cost? Well, 12 guys, airfare, three nights in hotel, food per diem, table up front for merch, $9,000.
7: I don't know. It it seems like a lot for an acapella group from a college we never went to.
1: Did you even hear the music I just played for you? Mm-hmm. Anytime we get some acapella, you gotta say I'm enjoying myself.
0: There, that stupid ass.
7: He <laughs> just can't
0: hear that without laughing. I don't know. So the haunted, yeah, they're, they're shopping in the haunted graveyard of Andy's love, looking That's at such the, a great line. They have a, you know, this deleted scene where they get more info on this. They show like the cross cake and uh, and some mm-hmm. of the other bargain items. I, I don't think that they. Well, it doesn't look like they went for anything actually.
4: Nine thousand dollars seems like a lot for an acapella group. What well, do you
0: think, Boner Champ is worth that?
4: And I guess what on NBC.com is like you can watch the full wedding promotion video there. But, yeah, I mean, this is a good setup. I mean, we we say we want to see some more Pam and Jim together, and obviously they they can't be because of the Michael Scott paper company. So this is a good way to get a little bit of a talking head with them together. Uh, When they do the talking heads together, I actually think it's very cute.
0: One thing I do want to say about this plot line, though, is I I know it's a B plot, and I, I don't really want more of the show taken up by this, I guess, but I don't think we really got a sense of why Andy kind of got upset. I don't think at first, because it seems, you know, his whole argument is that Pam keeps saying no, like Jim keeps saying yes. in this really sarcastic Jim joking way. And Pam says, no, Mm -hmm. she does it once with the song and then in the deleted scene, she does it again with the cake and it makes a little, as it builds up, it makes a little more sense. Like it's where he's coming from. As far as why he says something to him about I'm concerned about your relationship. Maybe could he use a little bit more fleshing out but I suppose we get the main gist of it. And speaking of which Andy, he is really concerned here about his dear friend Tuna and lays it all on the line.
1: What was up with Pam being all pushy and negative in there? It scares me to see you going down a road that I went down. Am I going down a road? When I see her bossing you around like that it just makes me wonder if this thing really has the legs that go the distance. <laughs> it's so scary how right the things you're saying are. And you're coming at it with almost no knowledge, so of course I trust your opinion on this. <laughs> I know a few things about love. Horrible, terrible, awful, <laughs> awful things. I was going to use today to purge my inbox, but now something much more pressing has come up.
0: And we wonder why Charles Minor thinks Jim is a slacker. <laughs> you know, this is a thing I, like I said. I guess it's a deserved it prank. Andy is being kind of a jerk and trying to put the kibosh on the Jim and Pam nuptials. But I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's still such a vulnerable kind of guy there that it, I, you know, I just feel sort of bad for him.
4: Well, I would say that if the way it ended was different, I would agree. All
0: right. Well, uh, so here's there, there's Jim's big thing. He's going to play the emotional, you know, the needy emotional guy, uh, and really take advantage of Andy there all day and, and make him kind of, I guess, try to make him feel bad about being a Budinski in the relationship here. And, uh, well, I'll just let, uh, let them have at it.
1: Hey, Andy. You know, I've been thinking about what you said. And Noish. I just don't know if I can do it. That's interesting because what I hear you saying is that you do want to do it, which means you can do it. Believe me, I broke up with Angela, and I'm like the happiest guy ever. It's just that Pam gets me through the day, you know? I really rely on her. Pretty emotionally needy. And you know what? I am here for you. Let me be your traveling pants. Hey, Jim. I just totally blew a sales call. Bro, I do that all the time. Yeah, well, with you it's different, okay? Because I just, I just suck. I just, I suck. Tuna, be nice to my friend Jim, okay? Why? When I look in the mirror, I don't like the face that looks back. Oh. Well- So what? Your body's a 10. Just forget it. Jim! I said forget it. Excuse me. Can I have your attention, everyone? Here's the deal, everybody. Jim Halpert is very upset and disturbed. I don't know if it was something you did, something you said, a look you gave him. Maybe it was nothing at all. But here's the deal. Okay? It stops now. I guess I could be nicer. Andy, I think Jim is messing with you. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, what the heck is happening here? Two things I need you to understand. One... Pam and I are very happy together. Uh, It's not what it And two. No. That stuff that happened with you and Angela is a bummer. And I know that you don't think you're ever going to find someone else, but you will. Uh, Oh, man, he got me so good. (laughs) Uh, I learned something about myself today. I wish this was the sofa, because I feel like I could sit here and talk for hours.
0: And there we see at the end there him basically kind of reining himself in from exploding again. Uh, thanks Jim for <laughs> kicking the powder keg. And, uh, you know, there's some good stuff in there. I love that stuff. Let me be your traveling pants,
4: <laughs> Well, in that, that scene where Jim comes in, he slams the lunch down <laughs> yeah, on there, and he just it. goes insane. And, and then when he leaves, the look of, of Andy just is just he doesn't know what's going on. He looks a little crazy there. And then in between there was a visual gag where the whole thing with Michael and Dwight was going on, and they did a quick jump cut. And you see Jim just crying, and Andy's arms and <laughs> Kelly walks out of the elevator. I yeah. mean, and so the way that this, the beats on this plot line were just so well done. And wow.
0: I guess I could that be nicer. Review,
4: you get that quick reveal <laughs> to Jim, you know, smiling through the, uh, the, the door there. And I just really like the way that he said what he said at the end there to Andy. Okay, look, it was a bummer, but you're going to find somebody someday. I guarantee it. And sort of just had to sort of show him how ridiculous he was being about being, A, the sort of bully on someone's wedding stuff, and then, B, kind of, you can't trust any woman type of thing.
0: Well, projecting. I they'll say you don't mess with a guy that's psychotic. <laughs> you're just, uh, <laughs> you're playing with fire there. So, Jim taking his life into his hands. All right, well, that's heavy competition for you there, one of Kevin's top five of all time.
6: Attention, Earthlings! I have some news. Beep 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 beep
2: beep 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 beep.
0: Okay. Before we get into the next section of the show, I just want to take a moment here to talk and talk about one of our episode sponsors today, Audible.com. Now, Audible.com, if you haven't heard, is the internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer and iPod or MP3 player. Now, I get a lot of feedback from people that I know they have jobs, they listen all day, and they really depend on audio entertainment to get them through that drudge. If you can't get enough, that's what she said, episodes. If you kind of get sick of podcasts, why don't you give Audible a try? You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. Audible has over 50,000 titles to choose from, every genre. Audible has it covered get a free audiobook download when you sign up today this is the key here this is what we're giving away for you a free audiobook download today if you sign up for the service if you're interested if you'd like to check this out and get your free audiobook today go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said and take advantage of that offer really appreciate it thank you let's go ahead and go on into the next episode, then the finale sort of of this mini plot line, Broke. So here we are in in Broke, and, you know, it's been a few weeks since heavy competition, and I'll just let Michael explain what's going on.
6: It's 4.30 in the morning. Do you know where your kids are? If you are Ryan's parents or Pam's parents or my parents, you do. They're going to be in this van with me. Who am I? Nothing to fear. I am just a 44-year-old guy with a paper route. Time to
3: make the donuts.
6: We've been making 5 a.m. deliveries for a couple weeks now.
3: Ever since I've gotten clean, there's something about fresh morning air that just really makes me sick.
6: Oh, Halbert! wow! Border Patrol. Arrest that man. Your donuts make me go nuts.
4: (laughs) Hey,
7: Pam. We got the van at a used car lot. We think it says Alleluia Church of Scranton in Korean. It was either this or an old school bus with an owl living in it.
6: We're uh, we're doing okay, a couple of weeks in, and um, we're having fun.
0: Now, Kevin, I really enjoyed a lot of parts from Broke. There were a few points I thought were kind of weak and, and more sitcommy than I traditionally like to see. And one of the things that I thought was really kind of ridiculously over the top was this whole Korean bus thing. And Pam's line right there, just bringing attention to it, I thought was kind of funny enough. Um, and then they had three times in the, in the show, then these little old Korean ladies trying to get on the bus to go to the church. Uh, apparently, based on our comments, that the, the Korean-American people really thought that was hilarious. But <laughs> it didn't really work too well for me.
4: I can't say that worked for me either. I think you're right that if Pam had just said it, that would have been probably good enough. Maybe one of them, like the one there in the beginning, but yeah, as it went on and on, it was sort of annoying more than anything else. On uh, the other hand, I did I did like the line from Ryan there about getting clean, and we have a reference later on. He doesn't drink the champagne, so uh, you know, Ryan is turning over a new leaf. He's he's staying off the sauce,
0: I suppose. And I, I like Carell's little banter and stuff in there with the <laughs> you're. Donuts make me go nuts and it's kinda of interesting to see Pam and Jim's house and all other stuff there, so mm-hmm. a little call back to that. I don't know if it was the same place, but uh kinda of dark. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> so here's the thing then, you know, it's been a few weeks and, and Michael Scott Paper Company has been taking away a little bit of business from under Mifflin and it is time to be concerned. And Charles Minor lets everyone in the office know that they are
5: just letting him down. In the last month, we have lost 10 major clients to Michael Scott. What are we supposed to do? They keep undercutting us on price. I don't want to hear excuses. I want to see improvements. This is unacceptable. I don't know what to do to inspire these people, okay? Maybe it's my fault. It's not your fault. Some people just don't want to be inspired. I wrote a memo to all departments asking them to find ways to save money. But
7: Charles, uh... I got your memo. Thank you. I want you to know I'm putting my foot down when it comes to expense reports. Waste not, what not.
5: Uh, well said, Angela. Been there, done that. <laughs> so uh, interesting
0: there to see after last week that Dwight here is now in the background like he is in so many other episodes in the background with Michael and his talking mm-hmm. heads in the office. So Dwight has moved himself on in there, uh, making himself the valuable second
4: Exactly. And, and, you know, we griped about the fact that this episode description had this whole Angela plotline as part of a very large portion of the description. and That was it. You just heard it. Um, you know, maybe it was just there to put the you know words in Dwight's mouth about I've been there, done that. Like, that was funny enough. But yeah, kind of a weird description for this episode. Yeah, that put that
0: in Angela. there. To actually put that in the plot description in the TV guide to say Angela's cutting costs at the... I, I, I can only imagine they did that on purpose to basically uh, not these, say anything.
4: All these Angela fans crying because they really didn't get much. <laughs> well, if the you, I mean, seriously, well.
0: if you thought that was a, if, if that was advertised as a big plot point in the show, it must have left you scratching your head. But I don't really care, so let's move on. Well,
4: it's just so funny that Charles Minor, he's, you know, that's unacceptable. We have to do better. Well, how? You know, come up with some ideas. He doesn't have any ideas other than read my memo.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's no golden ticket idea producer, that's for sure.
4: Mm. Yes.
0: Uh, All right. Well, so they're hemorrhaging clients. They're 10 major clients. Everyone's frustrated. Uh, All that leaves is for our dear old friend, David Wallace, to uh, come down to the branch for a big pep talk.
2: David Wallace. Hello. We've been expecting you, David Wallace. Charles and I were waiting for you.
0: There he is.
5: There he is. How was the trip up?
3: Uh, a lot better than a month at the Scranton Radisson, I'm oh, sure. sure. you know what? It
5: hasn't been that bad. It hasn't been that bad. These people have the salt you the earth down here. You couldn't ask for a better way to learn a company.
3: Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi.
4: Hi.
3: Uh, look, it's no secret... Hi. Hello? <laughs> uh, it is no secret that Michael Scott Paper has siphoned off a large chunk of our core business, and I'm here. I just want to reassure everyone... That we think this is just a temporary setback. Right. Okay.
7: Maybe. And I don't know if you had just returned Michael's call. None of this would have lost clients. I've been wondering that
3: myself
0: lately. So that's a great little line right there. Phyllis, I guess has the cojones to <laughs> call out Wallace there on his poor behavior and poor treatment of Michael earlier in the season. Uh, he realizes that he made a mistake that Michael is really cutting into their profits here. Things look pretty bleak. And, you know, at this point, you know, you're thinking, we're sitting around thinking, wow, you know, their their business is really being successful. They're doing some damage. They're taking off, right? They're uh, on the way to being a successful company. And, you know, some people that were complaining about this whole plot line said that that was so unrealistic that there's no way Michael could run a successful business. You know, yada, yada, yada. Well, <laughs> here's basically the only way Michael could run a successful business, which is to, well, basically <laughs> – run himself into the ground, I guess, undercut everyone, Uh, gain a lot of clients. And, uh, you know, actually think about it. It's a brilliant strategy if you would have actually done it on purpose. Michael and Pam and Ryan, they're kind of sitting in the office, just sick of the early morning deliveries. They want to try to hire a new person to come in and make the deliveries for them. And unfortunately for them, the accountant brings them nothing but bad
2: news.
6: How much can we afford to pay a delivery guy?
2: Well, if these numbers you gave me are correct.
6: They are correct, sir.
2: Then you can't afford to pay them anything.
6: Okay. A lame attempt at humor, swing and a miss.
2: Your prices are too low.
6: Look, our pricing model is fine.
3: I review the numbers myself. Over time, with enough volume, we become
2: profitable. Yeah, with a fixed cost pricing model, that's correct. But, yeah. But you need to use a variable cost pricing model. At these prices, the more paper you sell, the less money you will make.
6: Our prices are the only thing keeping us in business. They're actually putting you out of business. Hold on. Hold on. Ty, I would like you to crunch those numbers again. It's a program. There's no such thing. Just as- crunch them. Just crunch them, please. Crunch.
7: Did it help? <laughs>
0: uh, so crunch, there you go. My... Uh- <laughs> Michael is, you know, and, and there's again Ryan, the value of Ryan's MBA,
4: apparently. He ran the numbers himself.
0: <laughs> which, I don't know what that says. I don't know what you think about that, because obviously, I mean, he's it's definitely implying that he's a total fool and, and, and incompetent and doesn't know what he's doing, which I guess yeah. plays out with the rest of the plot line of him getting fired, but still.
4: He's he's one step ahead of Michael, but that's not very far.
0: <laughs> well, they had that big thing in there, too, about yeah, well, uh, why don't you explain to them what that means? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, let me check to see if you're right. Why don't you explain it to me?
4: One thing I did like earlier, uh, the, the thing there with Phyllis putting her sort of mouth to good use there uh, in this one, and then of course we had Dwight. When Wallace asks Jim to come into the conference room with them, and Dwight calls him an afterthought, That so <laughs> thought that was a really really good scene and really really set up the tension between Jim and Dwight and the fact that Jim sort of antagonizes Dwight and pushes him into a corner that Dwight pushed him into a corner a couple weeks ago with the soccer game I think uh, was a nice turner phrase there for uh, for Jim.
0: Yeah, how the turntables. Yes. Um, you know, I said this a little bit before but I'm still kind of disappointed in this and maybe it's a time thing but I really wish we would have gotten more of that conflict of Jim being Wallace's guy and and Dwight being uh, Miner's guy. And I know we did get that a little bit, but it just it didn't play out enough. And I I didn't give, you know, Wallace didn't question Miner's judgment. The fact that he said, like, you know, how do you not recognize Jim as being a good guy when he loves him so much and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I really wish they would have played that out there a little bit more. Well, let's go back to Michael and Pam and Ryan. Now, after finding out that they're broke and basically that they have – about a month or so left before insolvency uh, they, you know, uh, this is a really nice scene they basically sit around on the floor in the office and you know kind of let their souls out confess all their inner secrets
6: did I ever tell you about the day that Steve Martin died? Steve Martin's not dead Mike I know but I always thought that the day that he died would be the worst day of my life and I was wrong it's this
7: you want to hear something sad?
6: I would love that
7: So Jim and I are getting married, and the wedding's really expensive. So I tried to get a job on the weekends to earn extra money. I applied to Old Navy, Target, and Walmart. None of them called me back.
3: I never went to Thailand. Really? I went to Fort Lauderdale. Was it nice? Yeah, it was amazing. There's a great Pad Thai place, though. I
2: love Pad
0: Thai. You never had pad thai? No. There's a lot I haven't done. Well, Kevin, as long as we're talking about this, I gotta tell you, I really wasn't in Mexico. I was hanging out, <laughs> I was hanging out in a Qdoba for the last week. So <laughs> but that's a good line. It's a good scene there. Uh, you know, it totally makes sense. The fact that Ryan would do something like that, like Michael's little thing in there. About you, you never had pad thai? No.
4: So well, even even more. Done. Even more importantly, was the thing where he says, like, how was it? And he says, you know, it was amazing. Like, he knows that he was just full of shit with the whole, it was amazing, you know, line with with Thailand in the previous episode. So, you know, this was great. We, you know, gave a lot of vulnerability for all three of these characters, and it really paid off to the end of the episode. And, boy, is it, it must be hard to get a job in Scranton. Man, you can't get a job at Walmart?
0: Well, hey, wow. In this economy, come on. Not that easy. Uh, Unfortunately, they learned their lesson. Now, this is the one thing that I said before that I had a problem with with this episode. Making Dwight into such a buffoon. And I know that we have seen Dwight make stupid comments before. I'm not saying that this is out of character that he would talk about sending a bee attack on Michael. (laughs) But just... You know, from last episode, we saw that he was the wolf, man. He was at war. And the fact that he gets so easily distracted by this nonsensical stuff, I think, really really kind of took away a little bit from the plot.
2: I say we fill Michael's office with bees. My apiarist does me a favor.
5: Really? Does
2: he do good work? or No, Jim. I use a bad apiarist. <sighs> there is a hive of bees outside the front door. We kidnap the queen, extract her alarm pheromones, place them on a flushable wipe, and put that in his bathroom.
3: I can't believe I'm about to say this, but the cheapest option is to make Michael an offer.
5: Yes, yes, I was gonna say the same thing. We should buy him out. Oh, he didn't.
2: Oh man, if only Michael had children.
5: That's you really apply the
2: pressure. What is wrong with you? <laughs> so he finally starts
0: to realize, you know, I guess I guess they needed, as part of the plot device, to have Minor realize that he bet on the wrong horse here as his second-in-command, but... Exactly. You know, uh, I wish it would have been a little more subtle, I guess. It was too easy. It was too easy of an out. And maybe that's kind of my point as far as thinking that this went by just too fast. Um, it, you know, it, it just it seemed like it was being kind of little bit shortchanged, I guess.
4: Well, and then we, uh, we have Jim come in and uh, you know, ask if they would you know accept an offer. and I think the way Jim played that whole situation goes down there. He says, "I don't want to hear anything. I just want to hear how successful you are. Just really coming in in a the clutch there. I think that was a great way to kind of get Jim to get out of his funk a little bit and kind of be the hero on this episode. And yeah, Dwight doing himself no favors with the the B talk there and and everything else. But uh, you know, I think that you know this really sets up the whole. You know, it, you just expect Michael going to say something about being broke.
0: Yeah, you're right. So that it was it was a good moment there for Jim to be kind of the good guy hero instead of just being the little loser that's getting put upon in the office. Uh, goes down there, it gets every everything kind of set up. And lets them know what's going on, and it takes Michael a minute or so to sort of figure out what's happening, but he does figure it out, and I, I th- that's what I like about this. Writing Michael as an idiot would have him just totally not understand anything, not get, not figure out what's going on. Uh, but he's you know he's on the ball enough to know that he wants to sell this thing, and this is maybe his only chance to make a little profit on the deal.
3: You're not going to reveal in any way that we're broke. Of course I won't
6: have any problems at all. Nope.
7: Right. Nope. Just to reiterate, none of us is going to say anything that might indicate we are going broke.
6: Right. Right. There is no way in hell that I am going to say that we're broke. Oh, I'm really worried I'm going to say it.
7: No, Michael. Uh, no,
6: man. You're you're fine.
7: We have to come from resistance. I'm good. I'm good.
6: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just put it on your mind. It is. Okay. I'm good. Hello? Hi. Michael's got paper company to see Mr. David Wallace. I believe we're expected. Well,
0: well, well.
6: How the turntables?
0: Hey, look how he just sort of fizzles off there. Now, that's... I'm not a big, generally a huge fan of Michael's malapropisms, but that one wasn't too bad.
4: That was a pretty good one. On the elevator, he says, you know, we can't see, we can't see, we can't see. How much were you worrying that michael would blow it by saying that they were broke
0: well that's the thing i mean that's the i guess the clue you got to wonder are the writers going to make michael an idiot or not and so you you never know how they're going to write him so i guess yeah there's tension there and even that aside the the first thing you if you know the best way you can get someone to say something is to tell them not to say it So, Mm -hmm. uh, and Michael is more susceptible than most. So there, yeah, it was definitely there. And they also threw that in a little bit later as well in the clip, made you think that he was going to blow it. But of course he pulled it out at the last minute. Well, they're up in the office. The two sides have met, um, you know, Wallace lays out this offer. He gives him this first, you know, (laughs) And I'm not interested in your first offer, but <laughs> well, you haven't even heard the first offer. Well, you know, tell me your second offer. <laughs> well, so he offers him twelve thousand at first, and Michael, of course, scoffs at that. Uh, Wallace, really low. <laughs> yeah, Wallace tells him, you know, well, look, I, I don't think you have what it takes, uh, and Michael just masterfully, masterfully plays Wallace like a cheap fiddle.
3: Here's the situation. Your company is four weeks old. I know this business. I know what suppliers are charging. I know you can't be making very much money. I don't know how your prices are so low, but I know it can't keep up that way. It's the best offer you're gonna get.
6: I'll see your situation and I'll raise you a situation. Your company is losing clients left and right. You have a stockholder meeting coming up and you're going to have to explain to them why your most profitable branch is bleeding so they may be looking for a little change in the CFO. So I don't think I need to wait out Dunder Mifflin. I think I just have to wait out you.
3: Okay, now I don't know that I can get this. I do have to go to the board for approval. How's about $60,000? Winkle? Um, to what? What I have to talk We're going to have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice, please take the
6: room. Oh my God. Oh my God.
3: We are so
6: rich.
0: So (laughs) Michael, Masterfleet, like I said, plays that out. That was an awesome line. I love that scene. He basically just took Wallace to school.
4: You know, you're right, Matt. He did play him, like you said, a cheap fiddle. They had that shot cutting to Pam in this scene. It was great. And, you know, Jenna Fisher and to lesser extent Jim in some of these episodes, too, really underscore the action with some of these looks. And that was definitely one of them. And, you know, it just was very, very satisfying.
0: Well, I'm always glad, like I said, I'm glad to see Michael step up and uh, and do something really well. And that was an awesome line there. Uh, Totally bluffing the hell out of these guys. So there they go. 60 grand.
4: It's it's Ryan's salary at the bowling alley, sixty grand. Is that a coincidence?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, maybe you're right. That's maybe that's why he thinks he's going to get the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, now that's the thing. So they're negotiating. They're talking about the sixty thousand dollar offer. While they're doing that, Dwight's in in his at his desk taking a phone call from one of Michael's old customers, and he finds out that. You know, earlier in the show, Michael was calling around everyone and telling them that they needed to pay him more <laughs> for their paper. And uh, this word comes back to Dwight. Dwight has the perfect piece of ammunition that he needs to sink the deal uh, and, and make himself well-respected in the community. And fortunately, thanks to Jim, he just totally, totally blows it.
5: Charles, Dwight so may have your
2: attention. Michael Scott Paper Company is broke. What? How do you hear that? They've been calling all of their clients and begging them to pay more money. It can only mean one thing. They're desperate, which can only mean one thing. They are total failures. Great work, Dwight. Quiet you. No, I mean great detective work, because this this must be the first case you've ever cracked, right? You crack a case. That has a pejorative connotation. It's like calling a policeman a cop.
5: You solve a case, and yes, I've solved plenty. So how long can they stay viable? What are your top five cases?
2: I'm going to answer Charles first. Because he's he solved zero cases. Okay. One case of the Beat Bandit. Missing beats from all over the farm. No footprints. Inside job. Moe's in socks.
5: Boom. Case closed. Okay. Do not go anywhere near the conference room. Done. Because you have embarrassed me for the last time today. You got it? I'm not, I'm not following you. You two morons. Got it. Get out.
0: You know, that's the thing, you're talking about tension, we get the seesaw of tension back and forth, oh, you know, oh, is Michael going to blow it, oh, he's in the conference room, no, he nails it, oh, well, now Dwight finds out, oh, is he going to tell, oh, no, it turns out Dwight is too much of a moron, and Charles just ignores him. I I mentioned this earlier as well, I think that this was a little too cheap, that uh, it was a little too plot-driven, such a bombshell like that, I just can't believe that Miner would ignore it, and, and Dwight would just not say anything, and it went away Uh, I wish Dwight would have had some kind of conscience choice to actually decide to help Michael rather than just to be a bumbling you know idiot like he is here
4: well I think it's very believable for Charles Minor the guy from New York out here in the Hicks and the Boonville in Scranton to really not get the whole beat thing going on there I mean of course it's very very weird and so, you know, yeah. this is very believable. And like I said earlier, this is exactly what Dwight did to Jim in Dream Team, and now Jim is doing the same thing back to Dwight. You know, kind of ruining his game, so to speak. So yeah, but I mean, he says
0: fair play right off the top. He says they are broke. Customers have called. Okay, so then he talks yeah. about beats. How could you ignore that? Yeah,
4: them? but but then but then he talks about they are total losers, and sort of it more sort of sounds like he's trying just trying to be vindictive. Or whatever, and you know, once you've sort of thrown the let's get the queen bees serum and smear it around, the, <laughs> the flushable really, wipe. Really, okay, yeah. anything you say kind of loses credibility.
0: Well, I guess I'll I'll, I'll not harp on that anymore. Although I do think it's <laughs> a little weak, but uh, what are you gonna do? All right, so Miner totally disregards the the notice. So here we are, wiping our foreheads again. We've dodged another bullet. Uh, back into the conference room for some more negotiation. And Michael rejects the sixty grand and wants bigger fish. I want my old job back. I want my old parking space
6: back. I want a Sebring. They don't like get... him anymore. And I want Charles gone.
5: I'm not firing Charles. He's very valuable. That's very kind of you to say, David.
6: I need him gone. No. Okay, then I want Pam back.
5: Uh, you already
3: have a new
6: receptionist. I Sales. Guess? Pam's not a salesperson. Yes, she is. At the Michael Scott Paper Company in its heyday. That's right. In Ryan.
3: Ryan cost Dunder Mifflin hundreds of thousands of dollars, Michael. You know Ryan
6: what, David? Is, I don't care if Ryan murdered his entire family. He is like a son to me. Do you realize what you're asking for here?
3: You're talking about salary plus health benefits. And, and dental, this time. Insurance, taxes, Social Security for three people? This is a heck of a lot more than 60 grand. You're talking about a multi-million
6: dollar buyout. These are our demands. Your company cannot be worth that much. Our company is worth nothing. That's the difference between you and I. Business isn't about money to me, David. If tomorrow my company goes under, I will just start another paper company. And then another, and another, and another. I have no shortage of company names. Michael. That's good. one of them. <laughs> These are our demands. This is what we want. Our balls are in your court.
3: Okay.
1: Deal. Can we have the room, please?
3: Oh, what? my God! Yes. yes! Can you believe it? Oh. Oh. Yes! yes. 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 Right hey, that's
0: what I'm talking about! Great moment there. Great capper again. Michael totally bluffs his way back in. Now, Kevin, we pretty much called that how this was going to turn out. So were you a little disappointed in the fact that it ended up being so predictable?
4: Well, no. I love the way that this came about, and like you were saying, it was a roller coaster ride throughout this episode, so it could have easily turned into some sort of something where Michael uh, was maybe less triumphant in returning, and he did it on his terms, and so I think that that was fine. And of course, we had that great shot of satisfied Jim there at the end of that shot uh, when they're celebrating the cop's gym. It's just just great. Very, Very entertaining, and... Uh, like I said, very satisfying. It's just sad to see Michael Scott Paper Company go.
0: I, but, I agree. you know
4: what? We might have Michael someday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like the Bob Newhart show, you know, the Newhart <laughs> and Bob. So <laughs> it could be Scott. Well, I guess they can't take Scott Paper Company. But uh, one thing I do want to bring up as far as this goes is that, okay, so we get Pam. Pam's been hired back as a, a salesman, and Ryan's been hired back w- without any specific job title, I guess. Are we assuming that mm-hmm. he's going to be the salesman or might he maybe go back to being the receptionist or are we going to have that receptionist stay on the show forever?
4: I see Ryan maybe going into accounting. That could be an area that could be some comedy gold. <laughs> he hasn't played in that, in that arena yet in the office. So I don't know But if he's in sales, that would be not quite so believable. And the fact that it wasn't mentioned as sales it leads me to believe that it won't be.
0: Well, and that leads back to my question. I mean, are we assuming that this actress is going to be staying on as the permanent receptionist for the rest of the show's history?
4: At least for the time being, I'd, I'd say let's uh, let's explore what Aaron has to offer.
0: <laughs> Not too much, actually. You know what? The thing that's kind of sad is uh, all the deleted scenes are very Aaron heavy, actually. They are. So most of her stuff got like sliced right out of the episode. All right, Uh, well, it only leaves one more little tidbit there, Michael, wrapping up everything that's happened.
6: There are certain defining moments in a person's life. The day he's born, the day he grows hair, the day he starts a business, and the day he sells that business back to Dunder Mifflin. What have I learned from all of this? It is far too early to tell. I just know that I am flying high, And I don't even want to think about it. I just want to enjoy it.
0: Hey, guys. No, no, you're done. So there we go. Like we talked about earlier, that great little parallel scene from two weeks. You're done. Kicks him out. Puts his leg up on the desk. Jim gives him a little point. And uh, great, great scene. Great still shot there. Triumphant Michael returns.
4: Well, it's a little bit of an interesting clip there because typically you see the montage and you cut back to the talking head. But in this case, you cut back straight out of the talking head into the action mm-hmm. for the, uh, for the year done thing. So that was a little bit unusual. I guess we've got to give credit to Corral there as a director.
0: All right. Well, we'll see, I guess what will happen with Charles Minor come next few episodes. We only have three more episodes in the season, Kevin. So we will see if he will still be around or not. All right. A couple of deleted scenes here then this week. Uh, two from each episode. And as I said, a uh, lot of, lot of Aaron-heavy deleted scenes.
6: He gives me leads and I take the leads from him and in exchange it makes him feel good. And if a friend can't make you feel good, then I don't want any friends. Except Dwight, because he is our only source of fertile leads. Dwight just got Howard family dry cleaners. Uncle Dave? The jerk is undercutting us big time. He is actually taking a loss and paying the difference out of pocket. That's my family. When you mess with my family, I can't be responsible for my actions. When are you ever responsible for your actions? Get off my ass, you hag. Hey, hey, (laughs) hey, something about that seems inappropriate.
1: Betrayal ain't just a river in Egypt. Who is that knocking on my taste buds? Why, it's Mr. Lemon. Mmm, nice to meet you.
7: It's good, but won't it feel weird cutting into a cross?
1: Don't think of it as a cross in the Judeo-Christian sense. Think of it more as a symbol of your lives crossing in marriage. When I think of it like that, I do not think of the other connotations.
7: Yes! <laughs> I don't think so, Andy. Sorry,
1: man. Her
5: day. Are they looking at me? Who? Everyone. Everyone just keeps looking at me.
1: Are you sure?
5: Will you just talk to them, please? Who exactly?
1: I'm just new.
6: Oh, I'm late! 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 I'm late, I'm late. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, everybody. My apologies.
1: Well, that is a surprise. Michael's almost never late. And he hasn't worked here in four weeks. Oh. Hey, what are you doing?
6: Oh, overslept. Do uh, you think anybody noticed I was late?
1: I think they're just surprised you're here at all. Huh. Michael. Joe
7: i you supposed to stop him? He seems so confident.
6: No.
5: they did good. Mm,
6: sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Where's Ryan? He's late.
7: Damn
1: it. Damn it! Where is my Andy mug? What's wrong? Two things. Can't find my Andy mug, and I lost another client to the Michael Scott Paper Company.
7: Tell me about it. I lost two this week. I'm sorry. Um... It was a cute mug. You're making a funny expression.
1: Ah. Uh, then I decree that you, Lady Aaron of Reception, enjoy the Andy mug. I'm really just uh, mad about losing a client.
4: I heard that Michael is hand delivering the paper himself. And Ryan's a blonde
7: now. I heard they get sausage.
1: Sorry. This is really bothering me. Oh.
0: This is near so a couple little bits in there. That thing with Michael going to the wrong office, I'm just i I'm really glad that that was cut. That's way too ridiculous.
4: Well, it was clearly set up to be the cold open for that episode, and I agree. Maybe they cut it for time, but hopefully they cut it because it wasn't that funny. Um, stuff with Jim's boner was much funnier. And I really <laughs> did like the deleted scene. I did like the deleted scene with Ryan there and uh, Colin... Pam a hag and everything like that. Something was inappropriate about it. I don't know what.
0: Yeah, and good old Andy with his handy mug, once again. Ah, <laughs> uh, he can't catch a break, that guy, I'm telling you. It's so
6: easy, Ryan. Do you really not know how Netflix works?
4: That's what she said is brought to you by Netflix, with over 100,000 titles to choose from, including classics and new releases and TV series. And plans starting at just $4.99 per month, it's a great deal. And if you go to netflix.com slash TWSS, you can get started with a two-week free trial. And uh, we talked about Netflix before on the show. It's a great service where you can rent DVDs by mail. You have the Instant Watch available for over 12,000 titles. Uh, it's really a simple service to use. If you haven't had a chance to try out Netflix, this is the perfect time. Remember, no late fees ever. Free shipping both ways free delivery in about one business day in most cases and of course you can cancel at any time remember that URL and sign up today to help support the show just go to netflix.com T-W-S-S uh any messages? yeah just
7: a fact oh
6: hey, this is from corporate how many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate
7: about
6: well, the waste paper basket
7: fax this <laughs> Yeah, the
0: one. Boy, I didn't uh, want to get it.
7: You put it in the garbage cabinet
0: with a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. Um. All right, not too much news this week. Uh, this is a big mouthful. The Real Steve Carell blog.blogspot.com has set photos of Steve Carell from Date Night. Of course, Date Night is his team up with NBC's other superstar, Tina Fey. Uh, Fox has announced the film will be released on April 9th, 2010, so almost a year from now.
4: All right, well, uh, everyone was in the mood to get back at Charles Minor, apparently, because Idris Elba's film, Obsessed, opened at number one with a $28 million weekend. I was planning to see the movie, but things got in the way, so I will uh, maybe I'll see it and give you a report next time. Well,
0: you can tell me how that goes. That's actually not that big of an opening, is it? In, uh,
4: in April? It's a well, it's pretty big I guess I guess Definitely. I'm thinking
0: about Blockbusters a little too much. Uh, no. In any case, I guess people want to see Beyonce having a catfight with Allie Larder. All right. Uh, other movie news Jenna Fisher is starring in a movie called A Little Help, currently filming. The dramedy is described as a recently widowed single mom who meets up with an old flame who just happened to marry her sister. So, another wacky drama there. Uh, not too much information on that. We'll keep you updated. All right, uh, check out the That's What She Said podcast listener group on Facebook if you would be so inclined. There is a forum and a message board there. And I know Eric, the creator, and Josh are really, <laughs> really looking for people to contribute a little bit more to the, to the message board. So go ahead and stop by. Next new episode is Casual Fridays, April 30th. 2009 uh michael is torn between his two sales groups michael has to mediate a dispute between his new sales team meanwhile trouble brews in the office when several employees take the term casual fridays too loosely uh all right well so from the sound of that it sounds like he's maybe going to have the uh, is he going to have like the michael scott paper company sales team and the traditional team or is it going to be broken up into uh different groups in the office. I guess it's some interesting drama. We'll see what happens there.
6: There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed. And I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. i got to erase a lot of
2: stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff.
0: Okay, uh, comments from the blog page on heavy competition. Valerie had this to say, this episode was fantastic, starting with a simple yet brilliant cold open. I liked that it was traditional season two funny, not overdone, ridiculous comedy like it has been recently. Physical comedy in this episode in general was great, especially with Jim, and I like that we're back to classic Jim who messes with his coworkers. Rather than the Jim we've been seeing these past few episodes, Who's honestly just an asshole. Hmm. I couldn't believe what a traitor Dwight was, and I'm glad Michael triumphed. Go MSPC.
4: Well, Pete Borini wrote, Heavy competition. This episode is yet another example of the Season five's heavy reliance on character-driven as opposed to situational-driven comedy. Don't get me wrong, I love the characters, but I more love the show's portrayals of Office Life than everyone can relate to. The show has slipped from being a really funny show to a really good show. Hmm. Really good, I think, is better than really funny in some ways.
0: Well, yeah, I'm not sure what to say about that because actually, you know, having things that are relatable, are, I think you tend to run out of ideas pretty quickly. It, you got to start going towards the more character-driven stuff. All right, Lynn from the blog page had this to say, I'm not a ranter, and I haven't had much good to say for a while, but I'm happy to say that the Michael Scott Paper Company has been the best thing to happen to this show in a long time. The last four eps have had me laughing consistently can't remember a good run like that since season two.
4: Two minor oh, quibbles.
0: Yeah. Rain takes his clothes off again. Still not funny. Please stop. And could have done without the balloon of pee thing, too. Now, I actually didn't say anything about this, but I kind of like that thing about the balloon of pee. <laughs> it's another example of Michael's just really sad, sad, sad teenage life.
4: Well, it was a very kind of random thing. It was very Michael Scott sort of, we're not sure what you're talking about thing. I, I actually kind of like that, too. Although I, I agree with Lynn, uh, I don't need to see Rain Wilson naked again, especially after The Rocker. And uh, by the way, thank you, Matt, for having that on the blog page every time <laughs> I go to it.
0: Well, I know yeah, so you played like Dwight's green, tidy whities They're quite attractive. All
4: right. Well, Chris, Chris wrote, Heavy competition was hands-down my favorite episode of the season and, in my opinion, the best installment since Season 2. Great writing and good, smart humor. Fantastic all around. Just when I thought I was free, they pull me back in. That's what she said.
0: All right. Well, sincerely disappointed. I think that might be an alias, had this to say. Uh, I know I'm <laughs> in the extreme minority here, but I just didn't like this one. For one thing, Jim's prank was mean, not funny. It had the feel of getting someone back for a personal offense rather than playing a practical joke. Uh, you don't see much about Andy's heartbreak, but every once in a while, you see how much the Angela situation hurt him. Uh, of course, he's expressing these opinions about Jim and Pam. He's projecting, and he wants a partner in misery. Jim was just being a jerk, and I thought it was somewhat out of character. Well, I've said that many times in the past, that Jim's pranking has been a little dickish, but, uh, you know, I guess your mileage may vary.
4: Well, the Apple book does not agree. Jim's prank on Andy, I almost cried. It was hilarious and reminded me of season three. And the way that Jim talked to Andy at the end, it was so sweet. But I've also talked about it in many chat rooms as well, and they all seem to think it was just mean. I don't agree. Andy needs to get over Angela. She broke his heart, but they were never meant to be. And I agree with Apple Book here. I think that he needed to shake up Andy a little bit, and that was the method to his madness. Or at least he figured out that he needed to do that by the end.
0: All right, well, Kevin, we have uh, uh, apparently a big continuity error here, according to Deb, sent it via email. She said... Uh, that she actually works for HarperCollins Publishers and said that, I found this really entertaining because we have a warehouse and some back office operations in Scranton. I guess that when Michael and Dwight visited Mr. Schofield that he was supposed to be at a publisher, they mentioned a textbook. It's really funny to imagine that publishers buy their paper from an office paper supply company rather than a paper for book printing vendor. I guess that's a bit of creative license on the part of the writers. On the whole, the episode was completely out of control, but I enjoyed the mention of the company I work for. So there you go. Now we know better.
4: Let's get some feedback on Broke, Cannibal Kid wrote. This was the strongest episode of the season, in my opinion. It was structured well and featured subtle character decisions. I really liked when Jim got up and jumped on Dwayne to stop him from sabotaging the deal. Now, obviously, the details of the deal itself are ridiculous, but it was set up that David Wallace had already realized his mistake in allowing a valuable asset like Michael Scott to leave the company. Wallace admitted so much to Phyllis earlier in the episode. And, again, I, get, I think there's a good observation by Cannibal Kid that, yeah, we can nitpick the details, but essentially Wallace knows that he needs to get Michael Scott back pronto, stop the bleeding.
0: All right. Uh, Gazoo had this to say then, uh, well, while everyone will conclude that outside of Pam's promotion, we're pretty much back to square one, uh, I think that Michael and Dwight's relationship cannot go back to where it was. It has changed forever. You know, um, that is one of the things that people are talking about in the chat room and on the blog that, well, okay, now we're back to where we were before. What's different about this? Um, I don't know. I. I I got to say that I don't think that Dwight and Michael's relationship is going to be all that different. I don't think they're going to write it all that differently. Uh, they already had that. I mean, if, if, if the coup didn't change their relationship, then I don't know what will.
4: Well, the other thing too is well, who's Michael's number two now. Is it Jim or is it Pam or is it <laughs> Dwight? I mean, I think Pam, she really stepped up and I suspect that maybe that's part of his, you know, upcoming plot. You know, maybe there's, that's the tension that, Maybe Pam's going to be the new, uh, you know, number two in the office, and that might cause some polarity. You know, All right. Well,
0: well some interesting thoughts there, Kevin. Uh, That's about going to do it for us, though, for this episode. Join us in about a week or so for Episode 70, Casual Fridays. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to twsspodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at twsspodcast.com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for this episode is provided by the Pod Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And remember, head on over to NBC.com slash The Office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. Uh, more including that stuff we talked about, Andy's wedding update with the, uh, the video there. There's also some uh, – there's a little game – flash game where you had to try to shoot the soccer ball past Jim and you got bonus points if you hit Phyllis. So (laughs) uh, a lot of stuff to mess around with there. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us then this week for Kevin Crossman. I am Matt Summer and we are out of here.
4: Well, sixty nine. So it's always a pleasure. <laughs> uh,
0: I knew you were gonna go there. Uh, I thought that was a bit of a stretch to tie in with the episode.
4: What? <laughs> you playing the Muppet Rainbow Connection? And I can't have my Steve Martins <laughs> King Pat.
0: Ah, uh, well, we'll see.
4: It even mentions him dying.
0: Yeah, well, I know, but still, it was it was just a throwaway line.
4: Oh. Alright, let's (laughs) see how this works.